I'll tell you what I'm going to do today is a little bit it's a little post-Shuas, really. Uh, just share some of, the, some of the thoughts that I dealt with over Shuas. Um, so what, one of the, I try and do a theme for the Sudas over Shuas. I pick a theme which I can tie into all of the six Sudas or four Sudas, depending on the year. This year it was six Sudas. Uh, so what I did was, we have various different requests that we make, we make from Hashem in regards to learning Torah. And so each Suda we spoke about one of them. What exactly is the, the intent and the import of that, that request? Uh, so obviously we start with Baharav uh, Noah. So the, the first brach we bake Birchaz Torah in the morning. And then we ask Baharav Noah that the words of Torah should be Orev. It should be pleasant. Um, so, why is it important that the words of Torah should be pleasant to us? Even to learn, you learn Torah the Shem Shemayim because you're told to learn Torah. Why? Why is it important that we should enjoy the process? And what does it mean to enjoy the process? Um, then we continue on and we say we should be Yordei Shemecha So there we say we should be learning Torah Lishma. We add in this phrase of we should be Yordei Shemecha. So that's the second request that we make. Uh, that we should be Yodesh Shemech and Lumit Horasech Lishma. So that's a separate request. Uh, we ask for Targilinim Horasech, which will come to some of the four Shemes referring to not mitzvahs, but it's learning, learning Torah. We should become accustomed. We should be Rogel. We, we should be used to learning Torah. It should be something which is natural. It's something which we have a regulus in it. Uh, it's something which seems to come naturally. At the end of Kerbonus, she went to Bismitish from here. We made him a Saint Chilkenu Basarasecho. So we asked for Saint Chilkenu Basarasecho. So what does that mean? In Birkus Krishma, obviously the second Brach of Abu Rabba, we have multiple requests. Some of them are pretty obvious. We say, Believe in the Hobbin, the Haskell, the Shmuel, the Mur Lamed, the Shmuel Velasso, the Kaimis, the Bissabasarasecho. We ask for Vahore Nino Basarasecho, or I should be enlightened. We so what is that? What is, exactly is that Bakasha? What is it adding? Um, then we continue on to the in Shonestre itself. We don't say explicitly for Bakasha, we say Hashirin Abinu Lasarasecho, which is, a, is referring to learning Torah, it's referring to uh, doing the mitzvahs of the Torah. That's not, not, as, not as obvious. At the end of Shonestre, we say Psakli Bibisarasecho. So we asked for Psichas Leib. So we, we've, been asked, we've asked for. Mir is a nine that the eye should be enlightened in Torah. We ask for Psichos Alev in Torah, which we then repeat again in Walut Zion, who Yiftach Lebeinu Besaros So we have, uh, we ask for Aravis, the Torah should be Arav Harav Noah. We ask we should be Yodei Shemecho. We ask for Saint Chokeinu Besaros We ask for Targilinu Besaros We ask for Harayinu Besaros We ask for Psach Libib. It's six different requests. So there you go. Six sudas over shuas. Each suda got one of the requests. That was my suda, my, my shuas theme for the sudas to go through one of one of these requests. Each one of the sudas. Um, so. Baruch Hashem, I stayed up. I davened early. Um, Sarah said he was too.
Hashem. Two years in a row. We'll have to see. Okay, so um, so that was the um, those are the those are the requests that, I, that to think about. So let's go back to the first one, the Haravno. So we ask, we have a mitzvah to learn Torah. Um, why is it important that the learning Torah should be orev? And what does it mean that Torah should be orev? So it doesn't mean sweet. That would be matok, right? For example, we say borei shemen orev. It doesn't mean it's sweet smelling oil. It means that it smells pleasant. So it's a, now what's the difference in that? And the the, the ways of Torah are noyam. It's also loshem imus. Um, that's more used in, in the concept of the idea of uh, uh, describing an individual or an action. But describing an item, you said the item is orev. Uh, so why? What exactly are we asking for? Why is important to us that the words of Torah should be orev, and how how can we get oravus? So I suggested the following. So the gift used to say over on a regular regular basis that the Ilatal in his introduction to the sefer Nakdoma, so he writes over there that somebody commented to him that he he's not learning Torah lishma because he enjoys his learning so much. That the Igletal enjoys learning so much that it's not called Torah Lishma because he's enjoying himself. So he saw the idea that the person enjoys learning as, as detracting from Liman Torah Lishma. And the Igletal responded, that's incorrect. No, Adarab, the true learning Torah Lishma is when you enjoy it. Rashiba would then connect it to a, there's a Pirish known as Rabbeinu of Rom Minahar. Minahar is referring to the, the, the area called Montpellier in southern France. There's a mountain there, Minohari came from the mountain. Like, it's called Montpellier, Mont is a mountain. So there was a group of, uh, there was a school of Bali, of the Risharnam, Bali Toysis in that area. One of them was called Rabbein Avram Minohar. So Rabbein Avram, in his Pirishim, in Masechta Zadorim, in the fourth parak, says that even though we have a general rule that mitzvahs love the hunters, that no mitzvahs, there's the, any benefit the person accrues from mitzvahs, doesn't have a status of Hanoah and Halacha concept. Limon Torah is not like that. Limon Torah, there is, it's given specifically for the purpose of Lehonus to have a Hanoah out of it. The question then, of course, is what, how do we define Hanoah? So I told you this story. Uh, there, was a, there was a famous um, uh, Hungarian Jewish mathematician who uh, who was, uh, he had such a love for mathematics, right? Dave, what do you think? Per Erdős, right. He's never married. So, Go to talk and learning. You go. Don't about math. Yeah, pure mathematics. So, and um, he had one of his colleagues actually uh, was the person who was in charge of his bank account. He got paid for his speaking engagements, but he didn't want to deal with money because that would be a distraction. He and he um, he used to take pills keep himself awake to be able to sit and contemplate mathematical questions throughout the night. Uh, 
amphetamines. So, so he was like, so my Shmir once shared, there was an article in Scientific American about Paul and um, it's describing all of this, this, his lifestyle. So my share wrote on the top of it, they said, right idea, wrong train. That was my share's comment on this idea. This guy's like, he's licking and learning. So obviously there's, there's the challenge of, 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 a, of a complex question. It's fascinating. And trying to figure it out is fascinating. And a person's mind can be captivated by it. Is that the rabies of Torah that we're talking about? So obviously that's true. A person who's able to learn Torah at a very high level is dealing with complex questions and he's working on figuring them out and it's very enjoyable to, to work on them, etc. Especially when you figure out an answer. But that seems to be where we're, we're, we're consigning the, 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 the Arabis of Torah to an elite group. It does not seem to be what we're looking for. And if, any, if, it, and if that would be true, how is it any different than enjoying math? Uh, that's what we're supposed to do. We, so I mean, you can do it with math, you can do it with chess, you can do it with word games and you can do it with learning terror it's all the same thing right that would, would not be incorrect so there's a yid named his name was Ramey Shapiro now, the famous Ramey Shapiro was the founder of the Tafyemi with Rashiva in, 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 in the, in, in the Rome in the city of Lublin uh, but a different Mayor Shapiro uh, he's not as well known he, he had a son who's fairly well known his name is Ramey Shapiro which at that but nowadays every sort of Ramey Shapiro it was just after a few years ago Rebarn's uh, Rebbe in the world of Machshava. So Mershah Shapiro had a father named Rameir Shapiro. Rameir Shapiro learned and tells yeshiva in Europe. He's European, but then tells yeshiva in Europe under the Alta Telzerov, regressively blocked. So when Gifter was in Telstone for the two years that he was there and they had the yeshiva there, he invited Rameir, who was still alive. Rameir made it to Artisil, um, together with his son Mershah. And he invited a mayor to come to, to speak to the Bachan. Say with some things they heard from the rest of Leiploch to the Bachan. So he comes in and he was a very folksy, warm person. So he starts off with the following introduction. He says, imagine you knock, you, get a knock, you hear a knock on the door and you go to the door and there's this coarse, big, corpulent, grub postman unshaven, unkempt, smelly, right? And he hands you a letter for Rimshach. So, so would you say, Feh, I don't want to touch the letter. It was touched by this, you know, came from this grub postman. You wouldn't say that. You would say, oh my gosh, a letter for Rimshach? You'd be so excited. He says, I'm going to tell you over things from Yosef Le Bloch. He says, I'm the coarse grub postman. But remember what I'm saying over, it's not mine. It's a letter for Ripshach. That was what um, Rameer Shapiro said. Imagine that a person gets in the, opens the mail tomorrow and he sees there's a letter from Chaim Kanievsky. They found it amongst, amongst Chaim Kanievsky's writings. They've written a letter to you personally. The letter is five pages long as opposed to his normal, very concise writing style. He wrote a five-page letter, very clear, explicit, a detail, different things that he wants you to do, and how much how, how much he likes you, etc. So imagine such a th- getting such a letter. It'd be out, you'd, you'd feel like a million bucks. It's a letter from Chaim Kanievsky to you, where he expresses 
tremendous affection for you and, and interest in you. And he gives you the different details, different things that it's important you should be thinking about, etc. So first you start reading the letter, and you read the letter once, you read the letter twice. And you're really enjoying the letter. And you take the letter and you go to bed, and where do you put the letter? So you put it near your pillow, because you want to have it near you. You wake up in the morning and you put the letter in your pocket, because you want to have it near your heart. It's so dear to you. You read the letter, and you pick it up again a third time, and your wife says to you, like, what are you reading it for? You read it already. You know what it says. She says, you don't understand. I'm just enjoying the fact that Rukhaim Kanevsky sent me a letter. I just keep feeling that, uh, that message every time I read that letter. It's just extraordinary, that feeling. You're reading the letter, and all of a sudden, you're getting, going to the paragraphs, and you're not sure what it means. What exactly was he saying? So you're not going to say, okay, whatever, it's not so important. You're just, I got to know what it says. I can't, I can't deal with this. So you read it again, read it a second time. You try and look up clues later on in the letter what he meant. You can't figure it out. So you call somebody up who's the fellow who's a very, very, very brilliant fellow. Says maybe you can understand what he's hit, what he's, what he's hinting to, or what he's referring to. Over here. Please explain it to me. And on and on and on. Right? So we gave this muscle before, right? With a letter from a chassan to a cow. Right? So, so there's an aravis to, to the letter. The letter is orave. Not because it's brilliant, not because it has deep philosophical concepts, it's because the message of who sent the letter to you and the import of the fact that he sent you a letter and the fact that there's a message there which is for you is very orave, it's very pleasant. So uh, the word orave, which is uh, the pleasant, is connected to the, the, to the Bali Loshan, say it's connected to the word, the same word as taruvis. To, to, absorb something, mix something together, combine something. You make a taruva, you combine things. So why is that? There's multiple studies which have shown when a person eats food that he enjoys the food, the food tastes good, the actual absorption level is better. The body absorbs the food better when the body is in a mode of enjoying it. But if it's tasteless, and it's, it's a person, then it, besides that, it's hard for people to get to eat because they don't like eating when it doesn't taste good. But it doesn't absorb it as well. We, we want the words of Torah to absorb into our being. They should, we should become part of it. We should be, or, so we, we, we ask it should be orave. Because when it's orave, when we find it pleasant, we learn it, so we're going to connect, so it's going to absorb and become part of who we are. If I just, there, I'm, I'm mitzvah to learn, I'm forced to learn, and I do what I'm supposed to do, and I'm big, you know, that's, that's, that's beautiful. I won't absorb it. The absorption is, due to the Aravis. So our first Bakasha of the day is we're given a command to be Oisik in Torah. So Rukhifti always say over that, that, that why do we use the word Oisik? Oisik is, Oisik is a business. So he says a story that he was going fundraising and, and Yeshiva used to go, he, used, he used to have a few places that he went fundraising for Yeshiva. Each one of Yeshiva had a few places they would go every year. One of the places that Rukhifti would go was Mexico City. So there was a wealthy individual over there which Rukhifti wanted to meet with to, to solicit a donation for Tal Shishiba. So he calls the office, he's not available. Again, he's not available, not available, not available, not available. Eventually, finally, like right before he's about to leave, he gets an appointment with this fellow, and the fellow person commits to give a nice to them, etc. Rukhifti says, I just want to ask you, curious, like, why are you so busy? 
and you know, I visit your home. You have a beautiful home, but you're like you're always in the business. He says, Rebbe, the home is for the wife and the kids. He says, if you want to be successful business, you have to you have to you have to live in the business. Roikman, Ligan and Amarabit. You have to live you have to lift you have to live in it. He says, okay, but like how many hours? He says, You don't understand. I'm in the, I'm in the garment business. So early in the morning, I'm already the, the markets in Paris are open. So the I'm in, in touch with the people in Paris, like the latest styles, what's going on, etc. Late at night I'm busy touching touch with the Far East. We're manufacturing this stuff. So I'm always busy. Is there ever? You have to remember something. If you want to success the business, you have to live in the business. You have to be be totally involved in the business. So Gifton came back and said, I understand why we make the Rukh last week with the Mesa. You want to be successful in learning Torah, you have to make Torah as an ASIC. A little bit there, a little bit there, that's not how you're successful in learning Torah. You're successful in Torah, you have to make it into a business. You're, 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 you're absorbed in it. That was what Shiva said. Now, this fellow who was doing that in his business, we have to assume, uh, we have two possibilities how to look at it. He really didn't enjoy the business at all. But it's a mitzvah to take care of his family. Take care of his kids. The shame Shemayim, he spent uh, 8, 16, 18 hours a day working in the business. The shame Shemayim. Or he enjoyed the business. He enjoyed making the money. He enjoyed the challenges. He enjoyed the ups and downs. He enjoyed it. Right? So we said, Lasa with the So it's an ASIC. An ASIC, you know. In Yiddish, an ASIC means it's a problem. Oh, it's a big ASIC. Right? So we know I'm not saying an ASIC that it's a headache. It's an ASIC which I'm going to enjoy. So immediately after I say, I say last with the reserve, my, my next movement is okay, but my attitude is I'm so excited to work on this because this is a letter for Kanyevsky. This is a letter for Rukh Borokul to me. To call you, sir. Vershom sent us a letter. In that letter, he described what he wants us to do. So that's the most extraordinary thing that ever happened in the history of mankind that God sent a letter to man and he describes what he wants. And we were the, we're the recipients of that. Oh my gosh, we're, that's extraordinary. So I cherish that letter. I kiss it. I hold it close to me. And I review it. I think about it. And I re- read it again and again. And I'm excited about reading it without any gross revelations. Just the letter itself is beautiful. One of the things I saw by Rashiva was he had auras and everything. So he had auras and Tanakh. They wrote auras and Tanakh gift him. It was, it was published slowly but surely. Some of the words were like, was so basic. It wasn't a major shikol terror with a kasha with the terrorists in it. It was he had an order, like, why did you use this word and that other word? And he didn't say, he didn't give an answer. Like, this would, this would be the notes. He was learning at a very basic level. So bringing a person like that, is that interesting to him? Of course it was interesting to him. Because it's terror. Right? So I don't have to have this brilliant thought process to, to, be, to enjoy the learning. Because it's not about my wonderful intellect. It's about the letter. That's what it means entirely shmuel. Entirely shmuel means I want to know the letter. I, not, I want to know the Torah. I want to know what it says. That's what the, the, the Lattel is saying, that learning Torah and, and enjoying it is not a contradiction to entirely shmuel. That is entirely shmuel. If you really appreciate what Torah is, you're going to enjoy the fact that you're learning Torah. Oh my gosh, I'm learning the letter. I need to know what the letter says. That's important to me. That's lishma. I'm doing it with shame. I have to get to acquire the Torah. 
because I understand what it means, the fact that we have a Torah. Okay, so that's the heart of those. So that's the first percussion we make every day, that we should relate to Torah in an extraordinary way. Um, skipping for a second to the second Bakosha, skipping the second Bakosha, the third Bakosha we make is Targulina Masarasech. Now, Targulina Masarasech, simply it's referring to learning Torah, which is according to some of worship it is. Means we should be wrong on learning Torah, which means you do it out of a regulus. It almost sounds like doing it by rote. So that doesn't sound very compatible with the idea of Harivno. Harivno, Hashim, you're balding, you're schmacking. And I'm oh, okay, you're wrong, you know. You're, you're wrong, you do it because that's what you're supposed to do. You get up in the morning, you put a thrill in the like, uh, What are you doing? Uh, oh, yeah, put a thrill in yeah. You're wrong, you know. You do it. You put in your, like, you know, it says, um, you put on your shoes, you know. It's not a major thought process. You're wrong on doing it. So, uh, so what's that Bakosha about? So, we, we, tend to, we tend to look at the regulars as something which is a challenge, or something which you need to overcome, because otherwise it, we get into the concept of the mitzvahs and Hashem and People do things in out of out of being used to doing them. Uh, and obviously that's, that's very problematic to Chazal, Pasuk, says that the Rosh is going to punish Gaisal for that tremendously. That's on the one hand. So let's ask a stupid question. We do Chinuch in our children. What do we do? We train them from a young age to, to do mitzvahs. Now, at that age, obviously, there's no thought process. And there's no real intellectual connection to the mitzvahs. By the time they get older, they're doing it because they're used to doing it. I have a better idea. Don't teach a kid anything. And we turn to intelligent to have a discussion. We sit there and discuss, you know, should you do it, not do it, and make a decision, an intelligent decision, and be intellectual pursuit to figure out what, what to do. We don't do that. Why not? Okay, so let's picture the guy's day. Guy wakes up in the morning. He's uh, 18 years old. He hasn't really, he doesn't do anything else regardless. He does everything with thought, forethought. He wakes up in the morning. He says, should I say about down there or not? Let's, let's talk about it. Let's talk, let's, let's talk through it pros and cons of the possibilities of Sigmar Dani. Why is it a good idea to Sigmar Dani? Why it's good? Maybe, maybe, I, maybe I don't believe in Hashem. Why do I believe in Hashem? I finally convinced himself with something Sigmar Dani. He said, Sigmar Dani. Okay, should I put on a yarmulke or not? Let's discuss the ideas of the pros and cons of wearing a yarmulke. Right? Uh, should I wash my hands or not? Well, you know, who said I have to listen to the rabbis? We have to listen to the rabbis. Oh, discuss the concept of whether you listen to the rabbis or not. But I make a bracha on it. Somebody says, what do I do? I say, what do I listen to the rabbis? Let's talk about that. Should I make a bracha? We said, you have to make a bracha. Let's talk about that. Let's decide. Conscious decision. Use the karakha bachira. Decide to do that. Etc., etc., etc. So five hours later, he's made it through, you know, he's, you know, he's holding by putting on his filler. It's not, we're not functional, right? So obviously we need regulus in Torah. And the first, the first step is that we need the, the Torah. Should be, we should be ruggled to learn Torah. That's the first step. Um, the second step is now that we're ruggled to learn Torah, so but we're saying that's not such a, you know, it, 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 is that a good idea? Because that seems to detract from the arabis of it. Dominal says, the Apostle can tell him, I contemplated my paths, and my feet took me to Edel Sefer. So as I'll say, the double Melch will get up in the morning, and he'd make a tachnit. He's busy, he's a king, he's got a busy day, write out his 
plan for the day, where, where he's supposed to go, what he's supposed to do, etc. You start going, and next thing you know, he's a base manager. His feet would take him to base manager. That's the regulus of the asking for. David Mello became so attached to Torah, his default was that he was in base matters. Most of us, our default is whatever we're doing, and we happen to go to we make a decision to go to base matters. David Mello was other around. His default was he went to base matters, and he had to make a conscious decision to go elsewhere to take care of things. Uh, Rebirkin said over from Rebirkin Feinstein that he has, once asked Rebirkin to describe Rebirkin Feinstein to, to him. He says, my father is not like you and I. He says, you and I, we learn Torah and we do other things. It's a decision to learn. The other things are the default. He says, my father is other way around. Learning was the default. He was always learning. He made a decision to be involved in other, other activities occasionally because he had to be. But his default was learning. So Targulinimus or is the Bakasha that our default should be learning. We reach to such a level of connection that we're ruggle and terror. That's the Bakasha. The Bakasha is that our natural instinct should be. So I once had a, this conversation with the Bakrim. So at one point the Yeshiva was, uh, there was a significant amount of Balik Shuvah in the Yeshiva, there was a significant amount of FFBs. And on Friday night by the Suda, we had all the Bakrim over. And they're having this discussion, like who's better, the, the BT or the FFB? You know, that, was, that was the you know, standard part of the conversation, right? You know, the, the DMCs late at night, you know, which one's better, etc. So, um, Rebbe, what do you think? So I said, I'm, uni- I'm in a unique position to really discuss this issue because I'm, I'm a bit about Shuba. On the other hand, I spent a very long time in Yeshiva, so I'm, I'm somewhat more similar to the FFB in that regard than, than the Baal Shuba. So I get, I get, you know, see both positions. And besides, I've been working in the world of Finland for a lot of years. I'll tell you just a thing. You know, the Balchuba has brings a passion to his tournaments, which an FFB has difficulty apparently. He made it a conscious decision as an adult. He thought about it. And he really, he realized this is important. And he really wants to live this. He wants to do this. It's a decision. It's a valuable thing. Extraordinary thing. The FFB does it because that's what he's used to doing. It does. He doesn't have any major motivation. That's what he's used to. So what's interesting is, so at the age of 20, 21, you guys over here, you, you, the BTs are much more on fire sometimes than the FFBs. By the time he hit 30, it's a fascinating thing. You look at those FFBs. All the things that they promised themselves they would never do, that their parents did, that they're doing. Right? All those things that they did, oh my gosh, I'm never going to say that to my kids. You know, All of that stuff is coming out. Because that's what's ingrained in them. They absorbed a certain understanding of tarmitzes, a certain connection to tarmitzes with their mother's milk. That's who they are. Yeah, they're going through a tip of where they're rebelling or they're being frustrated or they're trying to find themselves. By the time they settle down, and they're 35, they look exactly like their parents. Right? And, and of course, they promised themselves they would never do that. You know, when they were 18, 19, there's no way I'm ever going to do that. Next thing you know, like, oh, yeah, right, there you go. Because it's, 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 part of, it's part of who they are instinctively. So there's a mile to that. That's that's the target of the Torah. So we make a bakasha b'haravna. The Torah should be done because we have an intense desire and interest in it. And we also say the target later. We recognize that that's that's you can't only do it based on that. 
if we don't acquire a natural instinct to want to learn Torah and do mitzvahs, we're going to find it very difficult because the, the do it constantly on fire, constantly making a decision, constantly thinking about how wonderful it is. There's yechida yechida. We're able to do that on a constant basis, and that get worn out. Everybody else is just going to fall apart. We need a basis of regilus and Torah. But the regilus of not wrote the regilus of like that. No, it says it becomes instinctive. It becomes who we are naturally. We naturally we naturally learn. Right when 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 we're in a default situation, our thought process is, you know, what is, you know, thinking about the, the Rosh Hashanah. So that's targeting Rosh Hashanah. That's the two different precautions that we make every morning. Um, I, I said I'm going to go till ten thirty, because um, I'm still a little bit. <laughs> the cold is really wearing me out. Just do one more. What's your day What is it? We say we should be your day so, uh, so what is a shame? So we've said this idea over before. The Ibn Ezra says that the word shame and the word shom are connected. Uh, etymologically, obviously, they're saying the same letters. So shom means there. There it is. There is something. So uh, I'm trying to describe so and so. You know, so I, so and so did me a favor. Ruben did me a favor. So I said, "Well, who's you know Ruben?" So, "Oh, well, this guy's six two, black hair, glasses, beard, wears a dark jacket. Usually, you know, whatever." Right. Not sure exactly what you mean. Ruben. Oh, Ruben. I know you're referring to. So I can point to the person with the name. Shame is a way to point to the person. There he is. By Kodesh Baruch, we talk about a shame by Kodesh Baruch. It, it takes a similar concept. We we can't see a Kodesh Baruch. Worship is everywhere. You only see things by contrast. If every, if the whole place is, the whole world is light, I don't see light. I, just, I can see a sun, I don't see light. You see light and darkness, you see light and shade, you can recognize that there's light. Contrast allows you to notice something. When the worship is everywhere, you don't notice it. A, B, the human being can't really see a Kodesh Boracle. But what can we see? We can see his actions. The Bershom has certain types of actions. He has actions which he does, which are expressive of love. The actions which he does are expressions of judgment. The actions which he does are expressions of mercy. I look at the actions, I say, there's God. There he is, Sean, there he is. So the shame describes when I see an act of a Kodesh Baruch with, and it's obvious to me that that's what, that's, it's a Shem acting in it because of the depth of the action or whatever it is. I say, there's God. So shame of Hashem describes the ability to recognize certain attributes about HaKadosh Baruch Hu that he does, which allow me to glimpse and, and, and say Hashem's in my life. There he is. That's Ebenezer's Taich of Hashem by Hashem. Uh, so, Rashiva said over for Motopagamansky, Motopagamansky was a Litvish Goyen, uh, Ilui. He was uh, a Balchuva of sorts. His father was very young. At the age of nine, he, was, he took over his father's factory. He was running his father's factory. The whole business, the business part of it, the managing part of it. Regulapian came to his town and convinced him he has to go learn. He went to tell Zeshiva, and he came back home a few weeks later. He was just wasn't interested. Regulapian heard from Regulapian's son, who was living in Tells, that this, this young man went back to his city. Regulapian traveled special to the city to convince him to go back to tell Zeshiva, which he did. And within two years, he went from being the bottom shear to the top shear of the whole yeshiva. He was at the age of 13 years old. He was at the top shear of the whole yeshiva. 
Elisha person. Eventually, when he left the Shiva, he was living, he was living actually in the, in, in the city of Kovna. Um, and he used to go back to tell us for visits on a regular basis. So she was sent over from the, the, the Ramalta Pagamansky the following idea. He said, there's a steer in Rambam. The Rambam talks about how do you get to come to Abbas Hashem. So the Rambam in Sefer Mitzvahs quotes the Sifri. The Sifri says, you come to Abbas Hashem by learning Torah. The Rambam in Yad HaZaka, in, in Mishnah Torah, the Rambam says, you come to Abbas Hashem by contemplating the world. So which one is it? So Rambam gave a following story to explain it. The person, they took a person, they traveled to Paris, and they went to the Louvre. He goes to the Louvre, and he looks at the first, they show him the first painting, and he says, oh, I don't know, it looks like, to me it looks like Zerm, it looks like yogurt. Uh, clearly the fellow has no appreciation of art. Okay, they show him the next painting, and he says, ah, Zelbazak, it looks like Zerm, and again and again and again, the guy says Zerm, Finally, there's a chacham, and he says, let me see your glasses for a second. He took the glasses on the glasses. There's Zara Miluch. There's, there's, he has some yogurt on the glasses. Everything looks like Zara Miluch. You take, clean off the Zara Miluch, you can see that. You can see that. So Ramoto said, our glasses are not, are not clean. We don't see the world. We don't see Kodesh Baruch in the world. We don't see the shame of Hashem. We don't see the presence of Hashem. That he always expressing himself in the world. You come to Abba Hashem by seeing how Hashem is expressing himself in the world. But the problem is, you need to clean your glasses. Learning Torah cleans your glasses. That's what the Ramam is saying. That was the Maltopagramansi's answer. So the Yerdei Shemech, the Arba is that our learning Torah shouldn't just remain that we're learning Torah. It should give us a clarity in how to see the world properly. We should see a Kodesh Baruch manifest in the Bria. We should be now Yerdei Shemech, we should know his name. We should see who he is in the Bria. So we ask Baharavna that our, our, if we relate to the Torah, the, the, the Torah is this letter from Hashem for us with a directive of how to live. And we treasure it, and we learn it from that vantage point, so that obviously the next step is obviously Kodesh Baruch who is then talking to us through his actions in the Bria. We get to understand the, what those are, what we're supposed to, what we're looking for, and we'll notice them, and we'll be v'harav noam b'yodei shemecha and targeting ourselves. So that's the first three the koshes that we say for about leaving the Torah every day. Uh, there's more, but that's, that's enough for tonight.